In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. This is Ian Wright and Jack Duffin here with the wonderful Paul Brown Podcast. As you can tell, we are still working on our intros in the absence of Paul. So rate this intro on a scale of one to ten. One being it burned your ears from outside lobe to inner eardrum, or ten, you loved every second of it. Now, on to the more important things. And don't give it a seven because Paul will get upset. Well, that's true. But if you give it a seven, he also might like lose his mind and then not go try to riot in the streets of London and be here for our podcast, right? It's always possible. Yes. Well, we want to thank everybody for tuning in again. The season is getting a little bit closer. You know, we had the Hall of Fame game. Now we're kind of getting into the real preseason. Uh, Hard Knocks kicked off last night. So for all you Hard Knocks people, you're going to get a little bit of the Browns there. Uh, A little feature with Dorian Thompson Robinson, uh, a little DTR action. But yeah, so you can kind of see how that game unfolded from the Jets standpoint. So not overall, not too bad. Obviously, I have a, a love affair with uh, Aaron Rodgers, so that's about the only person they featured in that episode. So it was good. So other than that, Jack, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good. Getting closer. The fun, fun is beginning. We're getting a better idea of the roster. I'll say the roster starting to like iron its way out. Yeah, Bell's ahead of Hickman. Um, Forbes obviously starting as the uh, the right guard was telling. So they were sort of the two things I think I learned from that game. Yeah. Hey, it's, it's good to see him out there. Project X. Right. And at the end of the day, that was one of those games where it was just nice to see some football. It was very much a junior varsity squad. Stefanski was as vanilla as possible. You know, you pointed the thing out about Schwartz and, you know, his just basic rush of, you know, four guys, nothing too exotic. I had a funny feeling they were run nothing but vanilla base. And it was interesting because in the interview, he said the plan is for a five down where sometimes they'll blitz one, sometimes they'll bring one back in coverage and they'll mix it up. I don't remember a time other than like a third and one where I saw a five-man front. So that's just something that I'm going to keep an eye on. Obviously, week one's the telling one because it could be he's just bullshitting in the interview, which, hey, coaches do it all the time just to uh, take other teams off their... uh, plan or the other one is it is just base vanilla and that might be telling why the run defense was really effective and the pass rush wasn't great at all in that game and to be fair if you're keeping all the pass rush stuff a secret that's fine makes sense i get why teams would do it so uh just just something of note there yeah i absolutely think that it was one of those things like for example i know one of the plays people talked about a lot was the schwartz reverse the browns offensive staff want that on film They want people to know. We obviously saw it last year where Schwartz scored the touchdown on it. I wouldn't be shocked if they run something again. Everybody in the NFL has some sort of reverse package in their playbook. It's just the way the NFL. So I think that was one of those plays where they specifically wanted to see, you know, 
what would happen in this certain of situation. And they wanted teams to do that because maybe in the regular season, they tweak it up a little bit and they fake boot off of that. You know, it's a fake reverse, but they set that up for a reason. They wanted it on tape. Yep. Certainly the case. Um, I'll do one other bit before we get to the injuries and that is Dimitrik Felton. So we'd heard the reports that this was the first year they were going to move him from wide receiver to running back, but the proof was actually in the numbers. So, if we look back, 2021 preseason, 36% of snaps at running back, um, the rest out wide in line, slot, wherever. Um, and then 13% during the season. Last preseason, 0%. And then um, 4% during last season, snaps at running back. Then in that just, it's one preseason game. So we're not going to get carried away, but 91%, pretty telling that he is now a running back. And, um, Looked interesting. It has a very different skill set than uh, Chubb and Ford. So that, that nice yin and yang, bit of special teams, could work out quite well. Yeah, they need a traditional third round or third down back, and I think that's the role he's going to fill. Pass catcher, you know, slot him out wide. You can put him in motion. You can do a lot of stuff with him. You saw that burst. I'll be curious to see if maybe you see him this game, a couple more burst plays, and then maybe they sit him for a little while with Ford's injury. Yep. So we'll get on to injuries here. And before we get into the players, I just want to talk about rules, how everything works um, with injuries. Um, so if a, someone is putting on, on IR now, they go and they're out for the entire season. They can't come back, um, not at any point. You've got the other option of what if they're kept onto the roster and they're held there until um, the cut to 53. Um, and then if you're on the roster at the end of 53, you can then, we saw it with, uh, it was Phillips a couple of years ago where they kept him on and then straight away put him on. You can then call him back at a future point. Um, so that could be a direction they go, right? Ford, if he, he was in that. Goodwin is slightly different though, because he's on the non-football illness list. He would then just move to the reserve list. Um, and then after six weeks, he can get activated anytime they want. That's a three-week window to return and can start playing after their eighth game of the season. So that's just a wrinkle there. And that's something important to just keep in mind because if they want to potentially put Wright and Ford, I don't think Ford will be that serious, onto IR, they have to keep them on the 53 through until the final um, cut downs. They can't just have like 55 guys and then make the move. They would have to cut guys and then re-sign them. Always the risk, they then sign somewhere else. So one where you need to have bottom of the roster guys that you're happy to get rid of and then just hope they come back. So uh, just just something to note there before we get into, um, we'll do the D-line first. Yeah, right. I think with the injuries though, the one thing about them is those are two guys I think you kind of, Isaiah Thomas is the one obviously right in Ford. I think we had as pretty much spots on this roster. So it's not as difficult carrying them through to the 53. Cause you kind of already had a spot for him. It's when you have a player that's fighting for those last, you know, five to 10 spots, someone like the Isaiah Thomas, that makes it a little bit more difficult because the question is, do you keep him even though you originally, maybe we're going to try something else, but 
I also don't expect to see Miles Garrett or Zadarius Smith's workload go up in the preseason. I think this is a wonderful opportunity for all of those UDFAs, all those guys we brought in, you know, all these edges that are behind Wright and Thomas to get some snaps. So I think that this, these guys, you know, while as unfortunate it is for anyone to sustain an injury, I think it'll be very fortunate for the guys behind them because these lower on the depth chart guys are now going to give you a lot more in-game tape to decide who should be the rightful member of the practice squad. And Isaiah Thomas, never let him see your backups. Let's see if we maybe have somebody on the roster that's better than him. Yeah, Lonnie Phelps, um, this should be a chance for him to really break out, get those snaps um, and prove himself that he's the guy. Um, what they could do with Isaiah Thomas is they could put him on IR early, which then either keeps him around for that season or you can come to a... Um, Injury, injury settlement, uh, injury settlement, where you either wave him with an injury designation, which just tells everyone around the league, this dude's injured, you can pick him up if you want, or you come to an injury settlement once they're on IR. And what that allows, because some players will have in their contract that they'll only earn like half their salary while they're on IR because they're not important. Big name players get 100% because they'll negotiate that in. But what they might do is they will come to a settlement and go, hey, we'll give you half of it provided you don't then go and sign somewhere else. If you sign somewhere else, they can cover it. It's all fine and it offsets. So um, it's one that some teams will do because, hey, it's in the player's best interest to earn as much money and play as many snaps as they can. So uh, that's in there. But at Edge, I think the plan's very much going to be roll with it. As you said, those backups can get a great opportunity. But whatever they do with Thomas, I'm not worried. I, I don't see him around anyway. But with Wright, you don't really need him for the first four weeks of the season. It's not the end of the world. Um, Garrett, Smith, Okoronkwo, they're going to play about 100% of the edge snaps anyway. So they can then roll out there, bring him back. We've got week five by, so he needs to be ready for week six. Carry him onto the 53. Put him on, um, what's it called, um, IR. And then you can bring him back later. And hey, maybe it's Lonnie Phelps gets a shot for a few weeks, or it could be some random DT you pick up. But if they're going to go out there and sign someone, it's not an H, it's a DT. Ndogon Kunsu, the myth, the man, the legend, Matt Ioannidis, that seems to have vanished off the face of the earth. Has he been abducted by aliens? Worth asking. Very possible. Very possible. But we're also starting to see that point when those veterans are coming into camp, right? Now we're starting to see, you know, the Eagles just obviously did the two linebackers they brought in just to kind of give some veteran, just some veteran time off to those guys. So if those guys are going to see if Ionitis or Sue or any of those guys are going to sign, I would expect it'll be relatively within the next. I wouldn't be shocked if maybe it's after this first week of preseason games just to see, you know, how the rosters are starting to stack up. Yeah, I think it's after this one, after the next one. It's probably before the final preseason game because they don't tend to play much. Um, and the uh, starters anyway in that. So uh, it shouldn't be an issue. But I'm, I feel pretty confident they will add a defensive tackle. The reason for that is Jordan Elliott starting the other day because that was a loud signal. They've already guaranteed one and a half million of his salary when they didn't need to. So he's going to be around this year, provided something drastic doesn't happen. But that was a loud signal of going, actually, you're not a starter. And um, he can then uh, work his way in and they can go sign someone. So expect that to be the case. Um, we've worked out at the time of recording. Um, I'll put it straight out, but 
you never know, they, the news might come tomorrow. Worked out former Colts and Titans running back Jordan Wilkins, who played three years in the NFL with sort of 170-plus snaps, and then last two years played one and 40, so hasn't done too much. Rav score of 7.77, 6'1", 216 pounds. Um, is what it is. I think he is a body because all the noise has been that Ford will be in and around week one for when he's back. Um, so it's one that I expect him to be on the 53. And even if he sits out week one, they can elevate John Kelly um, off the practice squad for one week. It's fine. Yeah, or even use Demetric Felton. I mean, there's always that option as well where you just run him as your RB2 for a week because, you know, week one against the Bengals, you know, obviously Burrow is still coming back from that injury. You know, it could be one of those ones where they feel okay, you know, for that week because I think you're right, Jack. Now, it will be curious because I know we started off there on the defense, but it came out, you know, obviously recently that the Browns plan to play a majority of their starters in this first game, you know, so on defense, you know, maybe we'll see a series with miles and Zedarius. I would expect, you know, Ogo, Ogobo, Ogobobo, um, Al to play a few more snaps than that, just to kind of get his motor going. But at the end of the day, I'll be interested to see, you know, who goes out there as starting linebacker, who are the starting safeties? You know, you've talked about it quite often, the Rodney McLeod, Grant Delpit battle, right? So we obviously know Juan Thornhill is going to be out there. So are we going to see, see, are we going to see some three safety sets? Are we going to see two safeties with McLeod and Thornhill or is Delpit going to get in there? Yeah. And same way with the, if there's two corners out on the field, is it Newsom? Is it Emerson? And um, that sends a strong message. You'd expect it to be Newsom, but you just never know with a head coach. Is he trying to, uh, sorry, uh, DC, is he trying to send a message? Um, it could be anything that they've seen. So um, all that little stuff is telling. I'm really excited to see who are the two starting punk gunners on punk coverage. Um, sounds stupid, but that is a really important piece of information for who makes the roster at the bottom of it. Mike uh, Ford is one of them, right? Or yeah, You'd Mike expect Ford. it to be. Yeah. So now on offense, we're just going over there. If Watson's going to play, you know, the starting offensive line is going to play. So that you could already just link that up. That is one thing coaches will always tell you. If my starting quarterback's out there, my starting offensive line's out there. Watson will play exact number of snaps as that offensive line. So it'll be curious to see, you know, obviously we saw a pretty solid game out of the Browns offensive line against the Jets. We saw a lot of Dewan Jones. So at this case, we're probably going to see a little bit of Jack Conklin. Who knows? Maybe they rotate a couple of the guys in with the ones that are those bubble. You know, obviously you got to have kind of that sixth offensive lineman. So I'll be curious to see, do they rotate any of the backups in with that first team offense? One thing I was thinking about today, QB sneaks. Last year we had Brissett. It was great. What I think would be intriguing, if it's going to be an obvious QB sneak, Take Watson out of the game, put in Jones. The problem I would have is he's 6'8". So if you're going to do something like that, I would rather bring in like a Dalvin Tomlinson or something like that, right? Give me a low meatball. So if you're going to, if you're going to do that, I mean, Andy Reid's obviously been doing it with the tight ends, you know, so those guys are 6'4", 6'5". But I think Dewan Jones being 6'8", without that much quickness, I mean, he's he can move, but that might be tough. Now, unless you just say, I want you to Drew Brees this and jump over the pile and stick that ball out, big boy, <laughs> that would be one. But I would you be imagine curious. Imagine landing on you. <laughs> no, I, I, I would prefer not to. But uh, yeah, it would be one of those interesting things because we do know that Stefanski likes to run that play. 
So the question is, do they maybe bring Chubb up and run Chubb on a QB sneak right out of the, you know, right out of that? Um, do they do some wildcat sneaks? It, it'll be interesting, but you're not going to see that in the preseason. I can guarantee you that. No, but we did Jack, it with Kellen. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Kellen going in there. Um, Jack, there, there's always kind of a groundswell that comes up after preseason games. And, you know, our listeners are the smartest listeners of all. So this really isn't a message out to them, but this is a message to the people that are listening. When you watch this preseason game on offense, just remember the coaches are going to not necessarily always call the plays that they would call in that game situation. These are about creating, you know, scenarios and game situations. The first team offense in preseason is not out there to win the game. Always remember that they're out there to get reps in, you know, if it's third and six and they run the ball, don't, don't do your typical week one through week 17 thing where we're, you know, demanding that we fire the head coach for the bad play calls. They're doing it for a reason. Now, second team, third team, those guys are in there to win the game. That's when the coaches want to see the guys really fired up. So with the first team offense and the first team defense, just remember they're working on things. They're just trying to get reps with these guys in game action. So just, Pump the brakes on any reactions when it comes to the first team. However, I would like to see the offense be a little bit more effective than that Jacksonville game we saw with Watson last year, where it was just beep, 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 and blah. Yeah. So I, I think it's one where it should be fun to watch. I'd much rather watch our stars, even if it's one series where the foot's not on anyone's neck, but they're going for it. And it's a reminder that next week we probably won't see any of them just because it tends to sort of be the trend that. When you've got a um, joint practices, the work's done by then, so you just get the backups. And I think it will be a level above the Hall of Fame game where we actually see all the genuine backups playing, but I wouldn't really expect any starters per se next week. So um, one, that enjoy it because we'll probably see one or two drives in the final game, but that's going to be it, and it's just going to be a case of wait for week one. All right, Jack, you put something out there today. I don't know. I think you put it out publicly. Do you think Stefanski game plans to give Kate York some high pressure kicks? Do we see it where maybe Stefanski takes a knee at the 40 yard line just so he could give him a 55 yard field goal? Is Stefanski that demonic where he's going to say, show me, Cade, show me what you're working with. I think Cade's fine in all honesty. Um, I'm, I'm not actually that stressed about it. Look, if, if the games are coming down to Cade York kicks, something's gone wrong. And if, look, if we're playing the Chiefs and playing some of these top teams, 100%, a three-point kick, even at 50 yards, could be the difference of whether you win or not. If we can't beat, like, the Texans and some of these absolute toilet franchises, then that's not Cade York's fault. I don't care. Even if we lose the game by three, that is not Cade York's fault. That is Kevin Stefanski. That is Deshaun Watson. That is even Andrew Berry because, hey, he was involved in getting the quarterback in. That is their issue. So it's one that I'm pretty chilled on it. If they're going to make a change, let him have the whole of preseason. And even if it's a case of week one and he absolutely chokes it up, I'm fine with that. I'm just going, look, wash your hands with it and move on. But there is no point panicking yet. I'm, I'm not worried. If it was a quarterback that was laying stinkers every week, then I'm like, hey, I'm having concerns here, whereas it's a kicker for crying out loud. Yeah, it's a kicker. But I will say it's one of those things where if 
it's not, it's not a, a talent issue with York. It's right now, to me, it's psychological. So if there is a little struggles that maybe they do a little bit of the, oh, he tore his hamstring. He's going to have to sit out a year and go to a sports psychologist or something. Cause yeah, he, he is a raw block of clay. I've obviously pointed out Daniel Carlson a few times, got cut by Minnesota right away, signed with Oakland. And then now has just mo- made, made his way up the, the league in terms of some of the better kickers. So I just will be curious. I think that Stefanski on a fourth and two may be more likely to kick it just to give him some game reps. You know, obviously when I'm playing golf, right. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, I really want to work on my hundred yard wedge or something like that. I will hit every shot to that hundred yard spot to keep practicing and practicing and practicing. So I wouldn't be shocked if it's fourth and six and maybe Stefanski says, you know what, I'm going to take a shot in the end zone. You know, that this isn't the play that I would call normally, but maybe we just throw a corner out. I want to see Watson or I want to see Dobbs or I want to see somebody throw one. If it's a touchdown, it's a touchdown. If not, we'll just kick the field goal. So. It'll be curious to see. The game is obviously going to be on Friday night. This podcast will be dropping on Thursday. So, you know, we'll have a day to kind of see how the practices are finishing up. But ultimately, it'll be really interesting to see the snap counts come week one to see, you know, what where the Browns are leaning on some of these certain roster spots. Yeah, no, and I'll fire the snap counts out on my Twitter as soon as I get a hold of them. So that should be like the following day. You can usually get access to that information. Um, and it's one that, yeah, I'm, I'm just – Excited to see what will happen. Um, we'll get back to you guys probably on Monday, post-game. One, one player on offense, one player on defense, you're going to keep the Jack Duffin eye on. The eyes in the sky will not lie from Jack Duffin on player X on offense and player Y on defense. Who are they? Um, I'm not going to take the cop out and go to Sean Watson. I'm, gonna, I'm not taking Jack's it. taking layups on a six-foot basketball hoop. I'm going to take Elijah Moore here. Because the hype is out of control. It is thousand yard receiver level hype. And he's going in the top 10 rounds of fantasy football drafts. I don't see it. Um, I think he's still got a competition against Donovan Peoples Jones. And yeah, his ceiling's higher, 100% there. But I think it's probably about a six, 650 yard receiver. That'd be my guess without injuries. So um, we, we will see. And if they are the cool little stuff I've apparently been working on, you might not see that in a preseason game. But um, the hype out there is that he's number one target in love and he's going to break like franchise records. Defense? Defense. Tomlinson. I'm intrigued. Because you put him on the the bust list or whatever it was you put out. It, it, both of them, they're on the overhyped list. So I did an article on overhyped players because the narrative, hey, he's going to fix a defensive tackle room because we spent a load of money. He only plays 55% of snaps. It's kind of an issue. Um, so keen to see that. Not so much what he does because I know he's phenomenal, but you mentioned earlier uh, Rodney McLeod. Who is the starting um, safety opposite uh Thornhill, fascinating. Really keen to see that. And I love like the orders, different people come out. Well, for me, it's going to be simple. On offense, I want to see Cedric Tillman. I think he's going to get a good number of snaps. Obviously, he showed a little bit of what he has in that Hall of Fame game. We're probably going to see a little bit of more, a little bit of Cooper, a little bit of DPJ. I would expect you know, 40 to 50 snaps out of Tillman. I have a funny feeling they're going to target him a little bit more, trying to get him involved. And then on defense, I'm going to be really curious to see how many snacks, uh, snacks, how many snaps Oboe gets. You know, my little one here also agrees with me on this one. So if you're wondering why Jack's distracted, it's because my little one's distracting him. But 
yeah, Ogo, uh, Ogo Bo, Ogo Rango, and uh, and Cedric Tillman are the two guys I'm going to be watching the most. Yeah, I was thinking there was a uh, breaking news. It was signed Snacks Harrison. I think he retired long ago. So, so did uh, lots of other players that still play for the Browns. <laughs> that that's probably true. They're probably still getting paid. Yes, she agrees too. So. But yeah, it'll be interesting. Hey, preseason's moving along. We got a little bit of football tomorrow. We'll get to see, you know, CJ Stroud. So at the end of the day, football season is getting back in full motion. I think we're all excited. Yeah, it's exciting times. It'll be a good challenge for our O-line because they have a tasty D-line there. So uh, that should be another fun matchup. But have a great weekend, guys. Enjoy the game. Regardless of what happens, it's still preseason football. So get drunk, eat chicken wings and live the best life. Absolutely. 